0: All right, Parshas Um As always, uh, before we, of course, before I forget. Uh, as always, a shout out to everybody sponsoring this year on Patreon.com. You can support this year if you'd like on Patreon.com slash Rabbi Herman. Um, and just a reminder that uh, I think most of those are recurring monthly. So if you intended it as uh, just a one-time donation, so make sure to check that. Um, and let me know if I can. I'm happy to you know give money back if that's what the intention was. But really, again, thank you so so much to everybody uh, helping make this uh, this year possible. Okay, Parsha about is a beautiful Parsha. It's a beautiful Parsha. If you just go through some of the lines and some of the words that Moshe tells Bnei Yisrael, uh, it's it's really really unbelievable. Just to, just a quick recap, and then we'll hopefully do it justice. Um, you know, you could really spend like a week, like every day. Learning Parshas So, anyways, Moshe recounts how he into to a Gosh Baruch Hu uh, to let him into Eretz Yisrael, and Hashem said no. Right? That's and El Hashem. That Moshe davened to Hashem. That's what he was uh, hoping for. We'll have to talk about that. Obviously, that's the, the beginning of the Parsha. Moshe tells B'nai Yisrael to listen to all the mitzvos, right? Not to add and not to subtract. He says beautiful things like, "Who is who, who? How great is Am Yisrael? Right? Who has a Gosh Baruch Hu so close to them? Has there been ever? Has there ever been anything as amazing as hearing?" Kosh Baruch speak on Har Sinai uh, he recaps uh, Maimon Har Sinai uh, and the revelation in great depth uh, he points out that even though he's not going into Israel, so Ben Israel are going into Israel, right, he warns them about worshipping other gods uh, saying that the Kosh Baruch will kick him out of Israel if they do so, uh, we have the laning of Tishabov, right, so a lot of uh, you know, listen, if you don't do uh, keep the Torah, the so Kosh Baruch is going to exile you and etc, etc, all those bad stuff that's the Kriya Satora for Tishabov. Moshe kind of, uh, as they say, waxes poetic about HaKosh Baruch who loved their forefathers, right? loved the Avos, took us out of uh, Mitzrayim, takes care of us. He has, says beautiful lines like Novado, Melvado, uh, things that we've heard of before. Uh, Moshe briefly sets aside the Ir Mikla that we talked about briefly in Parshas Um The main, I guess the most famous part of Parshas Veschanan is that the, uh, Moshe repeats the Asaras Dibros. Um, And uh, he repeats it and recaps it differently than it is in Parshish Yisro. And again, we could probably spend the entire shear on the differences between the the Aserah Hadibros in Yisro and the Aserah Hadibros in Veschanan. The most famous one that you're familiar with is simply Zachor V'Shamor, the two ways that Kosh Baruch tells us to keep Shabbos um okay that's really okay you guys are familiar hopefully and if you're not don't, don't worry about it it's uh, it's okay uh we have the positive right, of shema israel and Vahafta, by the first parts of shema uh, moshe tells b'nei israel he, uh, he basically end off uh with a warning not to get r- lazy religiously when you know being blessed and prospering uh realize it's always from ma'kosh baruchu where to keep the torah teach it to future generations uh, don't intermarry with any other uh, nations in Eretz Canaan. Make sure to get rid of them. But right? and, and finally, Moshe again gives them chizuk and reminds them that Bnei are a holy nation uh, and uh, you know Kosh was a chosen nation. That's how the parsha ends. So really, again, if you have a chance to go through some of the text, right? This share is not really conducive to going through text and kind of like uh, you know analyzing. But we'll try and mention a couple of beautiful lines. But really, do yourself a favor and kind of read through the parsha because it really is. We're filled with like awesome, awesome stuff. Okay, uh, let's let's talk about tefillah. Obviously, the, the way the parsha starts, got to mention how uh, how tefillah works. Got to recap that, even though again, I'm sure you heard this stuff in, in sem, uh, but we're gonna apply it back to our parsha. Uh, and see and try and get a little bit of a greater understanding of what was going on when Moshe dove into a kosh uh, baruch hu, and then Hashem did not let him uh, enter into Israel. So again, how does how does tefillah works? So again, tefillah is difficult. Again, we're going to go do. We're not going to do this justice either. We'll go through it as quick as possible. Hopefully, the stuff that we need uh, to kind of understand uh, the Rashi's and the Midrashim on the parsha. So tefillah is difficult for many people because, frankly, we view it to be paradoxical. Right, some of the many questions that come up about tefillah is uh, if Akash Baruch Hu decided X, and now I daven, so Hashem is going to change His mind and, and give me Y. Like uh, that doesn't make any sense. Right, Akash Baruch, Baruch Hu is Akash Baruch We obviously decided that for a reason, and we're just human beings. Another question that comes up is you know I, I you know I, it's the same Shemun Esrei. I say it three times a day. What Hashem forgot what I said six hours ago. Hashem forgot what I said yesterday. Right, why do we need to say this three times a day? We always say the same thing another question that comes up in tefillah is that why do you need to tell Akash what you want? Right? Hashem is Hashem. He knows. Believe me. He knows. He knows better than you do. So what? We need to tell Akash Baruch Hu what we want. We need to articulate that. And obviously there are a lot more questions, but those are kind of the three that will get us jump-started. Now, I will just mention in passing that there is actually an approach in Jewish thought that says, yes, when Hashem created this physical world, he, Kiviyachol, was, the phrase is mitzanset himself. He kind of shrunk himself in this area and made it as if he doesn't know what we want. And yes, we do have to tell him what we want, right? Ruf Pinkus discusses this at length, but that's not really the mainstream approach. Uh, rather, you know, we're talking talk about the Chobut Salavavos, <laughs> the Sefer Achinuch, going Reverse. Right? We're going to talk about that. How does that work exactly? So, again, the word Hebrew in Hebrew for davening is lehitpalel. Lehit right, Palel means to daven. What does that mean? Right, again, the word daven doesn't really mean anything. We know what we're doing, we know what we're talking about, but what does davening mean? So the word lehit is easier to define. Hit in Hebrew, I'm definitely not a Hebrew guy and a grammar guy, but it's in the hit Palel tense. It's in, hit means a reflexive tense, i.e., you're doing the verb in question to yourself. So the word lehit means to palel to yourself. So what is the word Pilel? What is that Shoresh? Pei Lamed Lamed? What does that mean? So Rashi sa- uh, So Yaakov says to Yosef at the end of uh, Sefer Precious, lofi lalti. To see your face, I never pileled. And Rashi says over there that it never thought, I never occurred, I never filled my heart to think that I would see you again. So Pilel means to again, to think, to occur, to fill your heart and think. So Le'hitpalel means to think to yourself to fill your heart and think and and analyze to yourself it's to think about yourself so with that kind of like reframing of what tefillah is it's not begging god for stuff it's kind of using the text of the tefillah to think about yourself now it becomes a little bit more clear why for example we say the same tefillah three times a day it's not that Hashem forgot what we said like a couple hours ago no we're training ourselves Right, to to understand these concepts, to realize that Rafua comes from Hashem and parnasa comes from Hashem, right? Etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. Yeah, obviously Hashem knows what you want, but you, but we, we need to internalize that all these things come from Akash Baru. So what about, and, and we're not trying to change Akash Kashbarhu's mind, that's obviously not what we're doing, right? What we're trying to do is we're trying to grow our own understanding and and knowledge and focus of, about Akash Baruch Hu and this world. We're trying to internalize how Akash Baruch Hu relates to this world, how this world works. And when you do that, right, when you come to know Hashem better, so then you're growing spiritually. right? You're on another level. And what happens is, as a result, is that the judgment that you were got given, right, the decisions that were made when you were on, I don't know, level 10, so now you're on level 10.1. right? You're almost a different person. You're a different level person. And now you get a different set of you get a different set of you get a different judgment. Maybe your zochah to more parnasah, whatever it is. Right? It's obviously a lot more to discuss, but but that's that's the lead-in basically to our parsha because Moshe says that I dab into a kosh baruchu, right? I dab into Hashem and he said no, right? and the kosh baruchu answered him. We'll just we'll read the pesukim in a second. But Rashi on that on the first Rashi, I think it's the first Rashi, the first Rashi over here with the chumash, yeah, that. Even though fascinating Rashi that chinun right vayetchanan usually we, Moshe didn't say vayetpalel right, he said vayetchanan so he says Rashi says chinun what does that mean is a lashon is a, is the language of matanos chinam that he's asking for a gift for free right even though and I'm just paraphrasing Rashi even though that tzaddikim could theoretically make their tziulos dependent on their 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 righteous deeds their masay matogim right their, mitzvot, their 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 mitzvos. All that tzaddikim asks for is a free gift. So, so what, what does that mean? What, what, is, what does it mean? What does it mean that Moshe is asking for a free gift? Furthermore, the Medrash says that Moshe Davin five hundred and fifteen times. That's the gematria of Eschanan. Preyoshiu and brachos and daflama beis says again. I don't know if it's well known, but he says that when Hashem said. Later, right, just to quote the Pesukim over here, Moshe is talking about how I davened to HaKosh Baruch Hu, and I said, please, Hashem, let me go into Eretz Yisrael. So, Vayomer Hashem Elayi Ravlach. Hashem said to me, it's enough. I don't want to hear another word. Do not speak another word about this matter. Says the Pnei Yeshua, if Moshe would have in 516 times instead of 515, he would have been answered. And HaKosh Baruch Hu would have had to let him go into Eretz Yisrael. So, Hashem literally told him, don't open your mouth. Not another word. Also, what does this mean? What is Hashem like just annoyed that, you know, like a kid who's asking his father for a lollipop, he asks him 515 times. If if he asks one more time, the father's just going to give in. So no, so that's not obviously, as we've been trying to illustrate for the last minute or two, davening is not necessarily about asking, right? The icker of davening is not asking for something. It's not getting something. Hashem would not have been like, okay, fine, just leave me alone. But, But as we've explained, when a person hits a level that the judgments are different When right? Baruch Hu always gives a person right, what they need to grow right? G- Gamzal Baruch Hu is always giving you what you need to get to the next level when a person hits a certain level they get a different set of, uh, of instructions a different set of calum, a different set of utensils in order to, to keep on climbing higher had Moshe hit that level Hashem would have, quote-unquote, been forced to give it to him. Not because it would have been annoying that Moshe was pestering him, but that was, would have been what Moshe was zocha to. him for whatever reason, Gosh Baruch decided it was more beneficial for Moshe to get his slight, tiny punishment in this world for his minuscule sins and didn't want him to reach that level. So Hashem said, do not speak. The tefillah will get you. The koch tefillah realizes what this is. Twila will get you to a higher level and then you'll be Zoha to that. So back to Rashi. When Rashi says that Tzadikim don't rely on their good deeds, they ask for a free gift, means that they're not really asking for something. That They're, what do they, they're asking Hashem for stuff because they're trying to train themselves to realize that everything comes from our Kosh Baruch Hu, right? And they realize that if true judgment is that if we're asking Kosh Baruch Hu, who knows and understands all the judgments in the world or how our hearts desires, you can base it on your mitzvot and the good deeds that you did, what is that? <laughs> well, that's nothing. What is that? He can analyze all the different understandings and thought processes that we had. Our mitzvot are worth nothing. So the tzaddikim understand that they're asking for Mat says the an unbelievable question. He says, where in the world did Rashi get it from? Where do you see it in the Pasuk? Right? Moshe David to Hashem didn't use his righteousness. Where does it say that? Right? And furthermore, Moshe's tefillah wasn't even answered. Right? Maybe if Moshe would have mentioned his great deeds, he would have been answered. So, like we've been saying, so quotes Rav quotes from Chaim Kamil, who was a Rosh Hashanah He died about twenty years ago. Right? He was a he was a haver of his. His Talmud, Rosh Chaim Shmulevet in the mirror. So he said that Moshe wasn't asking to get into Eretz Yisrael. Yes, that's what he was asking for, but that wasn't the purpose of his vetchanan of his tefilah. Right, obviously, he would have liked that. That's what the tefillah, that was the request he was using to understand Akash Hu better. But his intention was, was Vayetchanan, El Hashem. Right, he's trying to get closer to Akash Baruchu, Right, To get to Kirvash Hashem, to get closer to God. Like David said, David Amalek writes, kir elukim li tov, right, Getting close to God, that's what's good for me. And that's what's objectively good, says Mesiel Right, Even though, obviously, Moshe wanted his tefillah to be answered, his main tefillah was El Hashem. Right? He was dominating without any inhibitions. Right, whether it would be accepted or not and based on what we've been saying this makes a lot of sense right davening is not necessarily about asking for stuff it's about greatering that's not a word it's about greatering whatever our understanding of akash baruch and how this world works and growing our spiritual level right having more of an intent, uh, in uh, an acknowledgement an understanding a realization about how this world works it's not about begging God for stuff. And this was Moshe was doing. And that's how you know he wasn't asking for stuff. Because if he was, he could have been like, hey, Baruch, listen, I've had a pretty good career so far. Can you just, like, throw me a bone here? And, like, you know, based on my, tzadi, my mitzvos and my schusim. Yeah. That says the Swasamas, That's how Rashi knows he was asking for a free gift. He wasn't relying on his meisim. Rav Nussan Sweet quotes the Gemara Tainis. Fascinating Gemara at the end of Daf Chav Gemo. That Rav Yitzchak ben al Yashiv used to be able to daven for anything he wanted, and Kosh Kashparu would grant it. Fascinating. He this time this Amora, I guess, had the koach to get whatever he wanted. But a couple of people came to him and said, "Hey, hey, hey could we get some stuff?" Uh, and it was like a spiritual thing, like they asked him for khokhma, and he said a phrase, fascinating phrase. He says, "Imi haisa I had this power in me, but I sent it away. I got rid of it." it says nothing to you. why in the world would he do that? So it explains that because the goal of davening is not to get stuff, right? It's to get closer to the Gosh Baruch Hu. If Rav Al-Yasher saw that he wasn't getting closer to Kosh Baruch Hu because he was just getting stuff all the time, again, sometimes, unfortunately, sometimes needing things, right? Being a little bit more desperate, needing a Kosh Baruch Hu brings us closer to him, right? We, get, we start getting a little more desperate in our Start relying on Gosh Baruch Hu alone as opposed to other things that we say in the end of the every single day. Right? Sometimes the coach Barucho makes us a little desperate so that we reach out and realize that Hashem is the only one uh, who can take care of us. Right? There have been, uh, I don't know if you guys have been following on like, the, on like the news, there have been some terrible tragedies the last couple of days in Am Yisrael. There's a Jew who shot and killed in, in Washington, in D.C. Uh, was just today there was a bus that ran over uh, kids outside a mall in, in Yishalayim. Uh, like terrible, like like lo aleinu, al l'olam. What what do we do? What is our response to that? Our response is yeah. We sometimes we can't do anything but cry out to kashparukhu. Those kids, I mean Rahman Someone's going to get kashparukhu has a judgment then there's a judgment. We can't really understand obviously, but but our response is to having munibitachon that kashparukhu knows what's going on. And that's what we do when things get desperate. So it would be this passed in that ability to get whatever he wanted. Because to get whatever he wanted was not the goal. Right? The goal, yes, obviously we want. We ask Hashem for Rafua and Parnasa and Health and and Das and all this type of stuff and so we can, you know, get close to our gosh, but it's really the purpose of dominating is to increase our knowledge and awareness of our gosh bur. Nelson Sweet further proves it just to finish off. He proves it from another puzzle in our parsha. Well, pretty I don't know, I, I referenced it before. I, I keep on trying to hold myself back from saying it's famous, because if you don't know it and I say it's famous, then you feel bad. It's not famous. It's just a beautiful puzzle. It says, right. what, How great is a nation that has a Kosh particle that's so close to them that, that, they, that Hashem is our God whenever we call out to Him. Right. And most people, I think, assume that that means that how great is it that we, a, that we have a God who will answer our Tfilos whenever we call out. That's not what it says. That's not what it says. it says. What does it say? Right? It says, How great is our nation that it has a God so close to them when they call out to Him? Because the purpose of calling out to Gosh Baruch Hu is to get closer to Him. It's not to get stuff. Right? That's what we're talking about. Right? Davening gives us the chance to pause our day, to reflect on where everything is coming from. Right? That's why the Eitzahara is so good and so focused on getting us to space out when we're davening. Have right? you ever seen anything like this in your life? Right? We don't space out more in any other activity than davening, right? this is why I call it When the the reward is great, the yitzhara tries to work hard. Right when you're, uh, you know, when you're doing, I don't want to compare mitzvahs, but the spacing out we do, let's say when we shake lulav, is not the spacing out we do when when we're davening. Right? We are, unfortunately, right. In the we should all use a sitter and we should all focus when we're davening. But it goes, the yitzhara gets us real good when we're trying to daven. Why? Because davening is so powerful. So that's the goal. That's what we're trying to do. When we daven, we try to use the text of the Shmona Esra to refocus ourselves, use the text that Knesset HaGadolik gave us, uh, and kind of reorient ourselves so we don't get lost uh, during the day. Okay. Um, That's a bit about davening. I just want to do this quickly before I forget, just like I mentioned, Dvarim is, is filled with small, simple, beautiful power lessons. Uh, from the like these individual psukim. Uh so I just want to go through a couple of them. Right, the Pazik says right, just towards the beginning, um, right, we are clinging, we are, we are cling, cling, to a gosh baruch and we are all alive today. And then it keeps on going. And it says uh, just to paraphrase, right, I've given you chukim and mishpatim that I've commanded you to do, to follow the Torah in, in Eretz Israel that you're going to inherit. Right? You should do keep the Torah, The Torah is your and your binah, your understanding and your wisdom, amim to the eyes of all the nations. They'll hear these laws, and they're going to say, Wow, how brilliant and understanding and intelligent is this nation. Right? Okay, that's, I mentioned. How great is this nation that has all these great laws? Okay, like all of this Torah. Chazal explain that, first of all, two things. First of all, why are we alive today? Why is Am Yisrael still, Hashem, more than Kicking, uh, not because we're smarter or luckier or more ruthless, is because we cling to Gersh right? Why are you Why are you alive today? Because we cling to Kosh Hu. Not because we have the best army. Not because we have the best politicians. Not because we have the best tech. Not because we have the best fighters. Not because we have a. I don't want to say that because that already gets political. Whatever, because we cling to Kosh Hu and his Torah. That is it. Similarly, likewise, when do go respect us? when we keep the Torah. Sometimes they don't even respect us then, but that's the curse of Galos that we talked about in the Kinnos, and that the Jews are hated by the Goyim for no reason. Uh, that's part of the Galos, that's part of the you know the exile. But if you're looking to gain the respect, it's because When do the Jews respect us, says Moshe Rabbeinu, when, when we're keeping the Allahos. when we're keeping the laws of the Torah, when we try and fit in we get mocked, we get scorned, right, Rashi writes this, right, in, in positive tests, right, when we try to be something that we're not, right, that's when, that's when they uh, kind of, kind of rip on us, but when we, we keep to our own morals, right, to, to our own values, so then, uh, then we, have, we can, we have a chance of getting their respect. Okay, just to keep on moving a little bit, right, the positive says okay, in the, in the middle of the, uh, the Tisha laning that we, lead, that we read, it starts in Perk, uh, Perk he says that if, once you are going to be exiled, right? So Elohim. It's not Elohim; it's Elohim. There you will worship idols, non right, non gods. The, the the that was created, of the handiwork of man, as they, as it says, right. for evan, wood and stone. Asher Things that don't see, things that don't hear, things that don't eat, things that don't smell. So, basically, Moshe promises that we don't keep the Torah, that Kosh Baruch Hu will exile us, we'll worship all these gods that we don't know. And, and as we mentioned, when we talked about Baal Paor, it's very difficult to relate to Avodah Nowadays, we don't have a strong taiva to bow down to a dude on a cross. It's just not a thing. Uh, but there's a phraseology in the Pasuk that makes this hit a lot closer to home. What does the Pasuk say? I try to just There you will worship gods. It doesn't say that are made out of stone and wood. It says, there you will worship Elohim ma'asehyeh Adam, that are made with human hands. Right? Why does it say that? Right? We know, right, all these statues they talk about, right? like in the story by Avram, when he took the baseball bat and broke all the idols, we know they're made out of stone, they're made out of wood, that was created by man. It's not just miraculously showed up on, you know, based on uh, lightning or something that's carving the stone. Obviously, it's ma'asehyeh Adam. so why does it say that? So that's what we can relate to nowadays, that unfortunately, almost all of us worship right The creation of human hands. Whether it's your business that you've created that you worship, or you worship the creation of other humans, maybe movies, TV, maybe sports, uh, influencers on social media, whatever you quote-unquote worship in your life. What do I mean worship? I mean that you're committed to outside the realm of a healthy relationship, right? It's healthy to have distractions and relaxations and that's fine. But something that you are committed to that is more and outside the realm of a healthy relationship and you you could probably figure out exactly what it is in 10 seconds if you just sat and think about it. For me, it's the New York Mets, amongst other things, when you find yourself humming the Edwin Diaz-Nigan and if you don't know what that is, that's fine. That means you do not worship the Mets as much as I do. So that's great. But (laughs) unfortunately, unfortunately, we all have that thing which we worship, the Masaya de Adam, the things that are created by human hands. We worship that in some form or fashion. Sports heroes, movie stars, business stars, we all have that some form of a zara that we devote way too much time and energy to. Right? And that's what Moshe is saying. Do not, when you're in exile, and you're a there's going to be a lot of stuff that's exciting, that captures your attention, that is Elohim, that is like a God, that for some people, uh, politics, business, sports. All of that is Elohim Masayi Adam. It's the creation of, of, of human hands. Don't get caught up in that. Make sure you avoid that at, at all costs. Finally, just, and then we'll get to a couple other vort lach, uh, 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 but just, I like, want to keep checking off these individual psukim. Um, and then after, when recapping Maimed Arsini, sinai uh, right after the Sarech Moshe reminds B'nai Israel that he told them, right, Shuvu Lachem La'Holeichem. Now you can go back to your tents. What does that mean? So that means that, that uh, husband, uh, husbands and wives could go, go back to being intimate together because they had been forbidden for that for three days before Ma'am and right, so that everybody would be tohar. The Gemara Sanhedrin on Dach Nantes, it's like an offhand comment, but it, it, it just mentions that that was uh that was a command to go fulfill pru uruvu once again, that people should have kids again. And if that's true though, the language is curious. Right? I understand that Moshe Rabbeinu was trying to beat. tsenua, didn't want to be explicit, fine. But why does he say Shuvu Lechem Go back to your tents to fulfill pruruvu. Very fascinating. What, is that, what does that mean? So Rav Baruch Simon, was on the Rosh Hashivah at Wayu, he quotes Rav Naftali, Rav Naftali Kretzmer, who's apparently Rav Shach's Rebbe. I had never heard of him, but I'm sure he's... Not, <laughs> I'm definitely not, not holding in all of the, all that type of stuff, so he doesn't need my house uh, Anyways, Anyway, so Rishak's Revit of Nathalie Kretzmer says like this, says, it's, rem, it, it's reminiscent of a radak. The radak says, when the public says pruruvu, right, what's a double language? Why does it say pru, uru, Right? We know the stupid English translation, be fruitful and multiply. What in the heck does that mean? So the radak says, pru means to have kids, means to birth kids. Uru, means to raise kids so in other words pruru is not a commandment just to procreate it's to raise them in a Torah lifestyle if that's true then you can understand why Moshe phrased it that way go back to your tents go back to your home because chinuch begins at home uh i at the risk of i don't know if it's controversial necessarily but i i like very often to ask the, the girls and, and the guys when I was teaching yeshiva why they think that Jewish education in America right, pri- primarily in modern orthodox world but definitely not limited to that why doesn't it really work right, again this is speaking generalities and I know I, I'm not ripping on anybody specifically but I would argue at least in my experience and maybe you guys, I think you guys would agree and most of, the gr- most of the girls I speak to agree that the majority of kids and I obviously I'm sure a lot of kids do very well but let's say the majority of kids and obviously this is generalities are uninspired uneducated I, every year for example i do this uh, hanukkah quiz like uh, if you remember i did with you guys i'm not sure if i did with you guys this year i don't i actually don't remember but it's like it's jewish trivia versus goyish trivia like secular trivia like I, we the first two pages are secular trivia and then there's some jewish trivia and everyone knows the secular trivia and nobody knows the jewish trivia and again, I think the kids are generally are masculine and they agree that, you know, for whatever reason, a lot of, not all of it, a lot of the education is is, is not working. And everyone has a theory from blaming. I, I like to listen to what the kids have to say. Some blame the school, some blame the teachers, some blame the parents, society, technology, Western culture. Frankly, if you ask me, I think it's just a mix of both or not both, a mix of everything. Um, but almost every kid, fascinating, almost every kid I, I speak with, Agrees that when the message at home does not match the message the kid is getting in school That's when there's a train wreck not a train wreck. That's when things don't work The Chinuch begins at home in the tent, right? What our kids see us do listen you guys are I know it's a year or two Three at a SM. Believe me, Chinuch is not that far away from you guys What our kids See us do at home is what they're going to learn. What we think is important is what our kids are going to think is important, no matter what the teachers say at school. Right? Our kids are getting values from us from the parents at home. they see you on your phone for six hours a day. they're gonna think that the phone is the greatest thing of all time and, and they may not be wrong, but that, that's what they're going to think. begins at home and that's just a message that again Allah for the fact that Moshe phrased it in that way to do proof to raise Jewish kids that starts in the tent that starts that starts at home. Okay, uh, let's go on to a couple other Pesukim. The, the, the parsha seems to imply, uh, not imply, it says pretty clearly, right? almost the same Pesuk, almost the same Pesuk phrased differently. It says, right, Be very careful and guard your, your soul. And then it says a little bit later, a few Pesukim later, You should guard your souls. Be very careful about your souls finish right. mode and after again i'm already right so that's also talking about your physical well-being right uh we talk about that if you remember in perek yes i forget already but again what what extent do you take that right that you, maybe you should just stay home and never go anywhere because you might get sick and right how far do you have to take that to, to be very careful about your lives so, again, we explained that there's a difference between probability and possibility, right? If you guys remember, that if something is probable that it's going to happen, right? If you go out in a snowstorm in shorts and t-shirt and stand out there for three hours, it's very probable that you get sick. So that's, you shouldn't do. But if something is theoretically possible, then you have to have a munah talk and then coach Baruch who will take care of you, even if it's theoretically possible for anything to happen, right? So if there's a 1% percent, so then we have to have a munah talk and a Baruch But if you look at the psukim, though, right? Again, everybody use Again, they quoted this by Corona, right? All the time. Right, be very careful about your lives. And okay, true. says it, fine. But if you would ask me, and if you look at the Pashop the it's not talking about your physical life at all. Pashop right, says, right, Make sure you guard your Nishama. Right, if you look at the context over there, that that is talking about worshipping of a tzar. It doesn't say anything about staying healthy. Again... I'll quote it, so it's fine. But that pasuk is Pash is talking about guarding your soul against worshiping Avodah Zarah. Right, the other pasuk, right? Right, that's actually a kliyakar. Kliyakar says he right, the first part, watch over yourself. That's talking about your physical well being. Right, watch over your soul. Right, that's talking obviously about your spiritual well being. Where does it say maod in that pasuk? Right, shamer lacha, ushmore nafshecha, maod. Right? It's almost like the Torah that Moshe Rabbeinu was trying to say, Hey, listen, there are two things you've got to watch over here. Your physical well-being and your spiritual well-being. But what takes precedence? Right? Don't lose focus. Right? What's the true goal? As we did in the beginning of the the, the the true goal is to get to the next world. Right? The spiritual well-being has to take precedence over the physical well-being. So, if you're faced with a choice, for example... You have uh, an hour and you can either go running or you want to learn the daf Yomi, to take an example that's totally not relevant to my life at all. <laughs> What's more important? For you to go running and learn the daf? Okay, I know someone who goes running and listens to the daf when he runs. Obviously that's not the Iker Limud, he does that as Khazara, but okay, that's amazing you can combine the two. But if you have a choice between something that will take care of your physical self and something that will take care of your spiritual self, you have to be careful. Right, you, have, you have to really make sure what to choose, what remember what the Icah is. Right, Melech tells a story about Rebbe Hanan Wasserman, Hashem uh, Yaakum Domo, right? He was killed the, by the Nazis in the Holocaust. So he had a yeshiva, and his yeshiva. Uh, one of the fathers of the kids right, wanted to pull the kid out early right, to teach him a business, right? Before he was, uh, before he quote-unquote graduated. I don't know if they had graduations back then. Before, before he spent all of his allotted years uh, in yeshiva so any and the father was uh knew his stuff right he quoted all sorts of proofs right the mishnah says in perkyavos right pairing base that learning is good with their with the parnasa and it says also Kol in ima malacha sofa Avon, that all any torah that doesn't have any work with it so inevitably we'll get uh, uprooted and it'll, it'll leave a lead a person to sit so the guy knew what he was talking about, but Rav Olchanah said back to him, "Yeah, all those mamari chazal are nice, and that's true. But there's another chazal. Right? The chazal. The halacha is that if Rahman no If a child, if a baby's brothers died because of bris milah, right? the bris mila, the hemophilia or whatever it is, right, whatever it is, the kid is putter from mila. The kid does not have to get a bris mila. Right? Even a mitzvah as great as mila, right, that ordinarily comes with a of kares, right? If you don't fulfill that, right, But if there's a danger of the kid's life then we don't do that great mitzvah. So, so too here. Again, back then, there's a serious danger to spiritual quality of life. if The kid left yeshiva to go into business too early. Uh, nowadays, it applies also, but uh, I would argue maybe not as much. Okay, either way, spiritual life is the same as physical life. Right? And then we have to make sure that that is also a priority. Right? And that, uh, you know, that... It, we have to kind of take, again, we, we don't think about it necessarily, we, we, you know, unfortunately, because we're kind of caught up. And then Ramchal writes this as well. We're obviously caught up in our physical lives, but we have to make sure to focus on our spiritual lives as well. If a person's physical well-being is going to get away in their spiritual well-being, so we got to take that into account. And if you're, <clears throat> if you're, excuse me, if you're trying to get a job, that's going to pay you a great salary. Physical well-being, Amazing. But it's not going to let you be as frum, or as home, or as motherly, or as modest as you want to be. So then maybe you should reconsider. Or figure out a way to do it that you can be as frum as possible. It says, Ramelech, you also <clears throat> have to see the danger coming. And the Pasuk says, Mishle, fascinating Pasuk. It says, Leich el-Nemala, go to an ant. And then it says, reed and see its ways and become smart. So I'll go to town on that, that, uh, that talks uh, some talk about how, see how much an ant works, see how much his ant is, an ant is orderly, he's always marching in a line. Melech says, check it out, when you, when you see a line of ants walking, right, and you stomp your foot down, not in the middle, you don't want to kill anybody, but let's say very close to them, right? So they scatter, right, but a few minutes later, right, where well, they all could have been killed a moment ago in the same place, they go back because that's where they were going. Right? Even though a second ago, you would have killed half of them. It says to Melech, Reshmael Melech is telling you not to be like that ant. Right? The ant has no idea, right? or the ant is oblivious. But if you know a job, or a neighborhood, or a college, or a place where many of your friends have already been trampled spiritually, so don't be like that stupid ant. right? Don't, go have the courage, right, to make your own decisions, as we've discussed, right, and actively choose the best path for you. Right? Don't ignore all the warning signs. Make sure you're focused on your spiritual well-being, just like uh, you're focused on your physical well-being. Okay, a couple things I just want to mention in passing, then we will finish up because you can't do this without, uh, without mentioning them. First is Shema Yisrael. Kosh Baruch Hu, Moshe Rabbeinu says, Shema Yisrael, Shema Elkev, Shema right? You guys are familiar. So if you look in the Sefer Torah, Obviously, you could say a lot of things about Shema Israel, but if you look at the Sefer Torah, there are two large letters in the Sefer Torah. Right, it's so the Ayin at the end of Shema and the Dalat at the end of Echad. Right, so the, what's what's the point of that? So the, the Ayin is there, so it's not an Aleph. Right, those obviously sound the same, but if Shema is listen and sh- with an Aleph, Shema means maybe, which would obviously destroy the whole point. Right, maybe there is a God. That's Probably not something we're trying to be saying. And at the end, Dalid is, obviously, Echad is Dalid. We don't want it to be a Rash, which would be acher. Sh'ma uh, Yisrael, uh, There's another God. That, that's obviously not what we're trying to do. Says reverse, the letters Da, Aleph, uh, the letters Ayin, excuse me. And Dalid together is the word aid or a witness. So when we say Sh'ma right, Yisrael, we are witnesses to Kosh right, Baruch revelation right, on Har Sinai, that Hashem is a hut, right, as Moshe says, in Parshin Yitzavim, like will make the bris, right, with everybody standing there, uh, and everyone not standing there at Har Sinai. Again, it wasn't exactly at Har Sinai, okay, Medrash Tan says that all in the Shemesh were there, okay, he's not necessarily talking about Har, Har Sinai specifically, right? but people have kind of adopted that. Uh, Gemara says in Shavuos that all the future gerim were there at Har Sinai, okay, anyway, long story short, all of us were there, but all of us, right, are, are witnesses, uh, to Shema, that's what Shema Israel is saying, right? As as it says in our parsha, in Old Milvado, right? There is nothing else. Kodesh Baruch Hu is everything. Uh, and it says with Shimon Shua, right? In Sefer and Tefila, that's why we cover our eyes, right? To indicate, to, to try and exclude every possible argument for not accepting Kodesh Baruch Hu. and God knows there are many of them, right? To concentrate and focus on the singular truth that Hashem is has one. So if you're struggling with Kriyat and you're kind of like just running through it and not really focusing, if you need something to think about. When you put your hand over your eyes, so imagine being a witness standing at Har Sinai and hearing God Himself say the first two commandments: lo Right? I am Hashem, your God. Do not have, have any other gods. That's Shema Yisrael, right? Shema Yisrael. That's what you should be thinking about if you're if you don't have anything to think about right at the moment. Right by Shema Yisrael, right? That's and that's a tremendous quiz. That's the basic right kiyum of of saying Shema and be mekabel ol Okay. Finally. I guess sort of. Finally, um, the Haftorah every week by uh, by Parshas is Nachamu Nachamu Ami, uh, because it's uh, consolation, right? Nevayis Khanan is always after Tishbev, uh, so the first line of the Haftorah is that Nachamu Nachamu Ami Omar right? that uh, console, console my nation, right? Hashem says, console, console my nation. I think most people think that a that that means Right, that be comforted, Jewish people. Oh, you just had Tisha but be comforted. coach Baruch will take care of you throughout the Goyim, etc. Actually, and this is the, apparently the second Jewish uh, Hebrew grammar fort that I'm doing today, which is probably two more than I've ever done in a year. But what is the word mean? It's it's a it's a verb. It's a command. It says comfort. So what that literally means is comfort, comfort my people. Yomara right? God is saying, and what is he saying? He's saying to them through the Navi. To B'nai Yisrael, comfort, comfort my people, my nation, I'm Yisrael. So Victor Miller explains this is a command. This is a Kosh Baruch who is saying saying to us, Go comfort people. Not not necessarily Availim, not Rahmar, people who are in mourning, but regular people. Right, we've mentioned smile at people, take care of people, lift them up when they're down. Right? One of the ways to bring the Bhisamikdash back is to increase our Bin Al So the Navi is not only telling us to be comforted, but Hashem is telling us to actively comfort other people. Right? And that will help bring about the Bhisamikdash. Again, we spoke about this before, right? And just being nice to people, right? Something that's free. Right? Again, we've mentioned it, but I just wanted to, I saw it and I just wanted to just throw it out there that that's the goal, that's the, the command of Nahmu and Nachmu Ami. Uh, and finally, finally, nothing to do with the parsha, but since right now in Aaron's Israel is Tuba'av, and the Gemara says at the end of the time that there was no greater day in the Jewish calendar than Yom Kippur and Tuba'av, and the Gemara there lists a bunch of things that happened on Tuba'av. One of the wonderful, amazing things that happened was that the women would go out to the fields dressed in white looking for a shidduch. They would uh, praise themselves look at my beauty, look at my midos, look at my yichos. So I just want to leave everyone with a bracha, they should, they should find their shidduch. Speedily in their days, All right, everybody, have a great, great Shabbos. Uh, we'll see you mitzvah uh, Shem. I hope. I hope.